Welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast. Today we have a fascinating guest joining us, uh, Brandon Joe Williams. Brandon is known for his unconventional views on the concept of sovereignty and teaches people about loopholes and paying debt and taxes. And uh, if you look at his website, he delves deep into the world of like trusts and legal loopholes and the corporate jurisdiction over our court systems and a whole bunch of other things, but um, which we're going to get into during this podcast. But uh, so, Brandon, welcome to the podcast, man. Hi, guys. Thanks so much. Hello. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, so can you give us a, a basically like an introduction to the path that took you here to where you are and like how and why you got on that path? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so I'm here in California and uh, I was taking over a company with a friend of mine and uh, it was his dad's company. <clears throat> and um, long, long story, very long story, very short. Um we had some payroll related issues with the Empl employment development department and they decided to show up on one of our job sites randomly and um, then start issuing us insanely large bills. And yeah, that kind of irritated me. And uh, I ha actually had someone who I knew who was involved in all this stuff and I didn't really want to hear too much about it uh, for a couple of years. And then when this happened, um it kind of pushed me into it and i wound up going and seeing her and being like hey i know you've been trying to tell me about this stuff for a couple of years and i haven't really been willing to listen well <laughs> now i am <laughs> that's kind of how it all started that's that's the very short version yeah yeah for sure so um i know there's like there's some contextual disputes when people refer to themselves like this so they have like some people call themselves sovereign citizens or uh, state national or sovereigns. How how um, can you like how do you refer to yourself or what you do or and or can you like explain like a, a distinction or significance between these? So if you look up the definition of sovereign in Black's Law Dictionary, um, it basically essentially means a king or queen, uh, you know, that of which does not have anything senior to it. Right. And the word citizen, actually, ironically enough, the word citizen means someone who gives dominion to another entity in exchange for protection of their rights and privileges. And then dominion also has a very fascinating definition. I would have to look it up. I can't remember exactly. It uh, has to do with like, um, like control and direction and stuff like that. So uh, a citizen is someone who essentially gives up their 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 native rights in exchange for protections and securities so you hear you see a lot about this in like the conservative type channels you know um anyone who who would exchange their their uh their rights and their freedoms for securities and you see that like memes and stuff like that right the definition of citizen literally actually means that that's actually literally what the definition means so um for anyone who 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 might be more of a freedom-minded person, um, and they're using the word citizen, they they shouldn't be using that word anymore. Very. It's basically an oxymoron, sovereign citizen, right? Yeah. So sovereign <laughs> citizen is an oxymoron, but the word citizen itself is pretty. It's a pretty ugly word, just in general. Um, when you start to actually dive into, because you got to realize when you look at Black's Law and you look at some of these 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 uh, dictionaries, you might look up a word like the word check or the word citizen and it might have six pages of definitions <laughs> like right. the word payment might have four pages of definitions you know so so this is a this is a you know when you when you want to use the word rabbit hole this is a uh this is a rabbit hole where you're 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 realizing that there is this like sub programming uh 
that we all have through language, right? And when you start clearing up the definitions of the words, you start to realize that uh, the none of these words mean what anybody thinks they mean. So there's there's almost like an emotional definition, which has been essentially programmed into us via media. For example, one of the things that that everybody thinks is true, literally everybody thinks is true, is that you have to have a law degree and a bar license to practice law. Yeah, well, people represent themselves all the time, right? Well, even beyond that, even beyond yeah. that, look, look, if you want to have a good laugh, go online and type in power of attorney and start snooping around and read different websites and what they say about the power of attorney and the best ones read read lawyers websites and what they have to say about the power of attorney i was fucking dying last week doing this because the way it is is they go like it's like well can i can i sign a power of attorney for anyone well yes actually you can but uh you know there's a big difference between somebody who uh uh who who is a power of attorney and somebody who's a who who's a, a bar association member a bar association member is, is trained in the and you can just see like the desperation in the writing like and then there was another question and another question and another question and it's it it, it really just comes down to them like desperately it's hilarious because the thing is is that a power of attorney is actually called attorney in fact. That is the actual name of that action. And anyone can sign a power of attorney on behalf of anybody else. You can go online to Rocket Lawyer or or some other website and you can you can actually uh, uh, bubble click yes or no, literally, and it'll build out the whole document for you. You can print it off and you can have someone sign it. And as per the power of attorney, they can actually pay you money and you actually are the inter attorney in fact. And the, the 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 legal system will will accept that. And it's just like, but you watch the movies and you look at the music and you look at everything. So we have an emotional definition of what a lawyer is, which mm -hmm. is the programming aspect of it. And then you have the factual definition of what a lawyer is, which literally is just someone who has gotten someone else to sign a power of attorney for him. It's that simple. That is the definition of the word lawyer. <laughs> right. Wow. I, I think it's uh, so, sort of a, a recurring theme in our society that we have these uh, sort of things that these, these preconceived notions that people are pre-programmed into believing. And I know you touched on it just slightly with the, the beginnings of your definitions. And of course, everybody or assumedly most everybody who reads or listens to the Free Thought Project knows what a sovereign citizen is. But just for that one-off individual, sort of dive into exactly what is it that you personally do and sort of a general idea of the purpose behind this movement and why it's it's prevalent. Yeah. So, so first and foremost, if you meet someone and they say that they're a sovereign citizen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to them too much. I would probably stay away from that person. Uh, they're, they might be on the path to learning about some of this information, but but it's a it's a huge, dangerous red flag when someone says that. That's like saying, um, I don't even know. It's terrible. I, I would never refer to myself or any people involved in this as a sovereign citizen. So, but the the way that I define a sovereign citizen is basically someone who has learned about one or two or three pieces of this information. They feel. Uh, and then they sort of latch on to these three or four pieces of information. They they put on the war paint on their face and they just they just go in guns blazing with the three or four pieces of information that they have. And it usually doesn't work out too well for them. And then on the opposing side, uh, they take uh video footage of that particular individual who has fallen very heavily flat on their face and who doesn't make any sense and who sounds like a babbling moron and then they make a uh press release out of that person in an effort to try to show people how silly and ridiculous people who are doing what we're doing are and to be honest with you the people who who do a lot of that stuff uh are pretty silly and ridiculous even to us so uh that's not us so it's a, there's a big there's a big delineation actually between somebody who's actually having success in this area and someone who's not. And honestly, just like anything else, you're not going to go and learn how to build an engine in a weekend. You're not going to go and learn how to uh, build a computer in a day. You're not going to learn how to build an, a computer network or sell cars or 
the list goes on and on and on and on. I think people in general don't have uh, an appreciation for and an understanding of how long it takes to actually master any skill that's worthwhile in this world anymore because of the instantaneousness or the seeming the the illusion of instantaneousness of everything in the in the world now so this information and and what we're doing is 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 no different than literally any other skill worth mastering it it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of reading it takes a lot of attempts it takes a lot of understanding of of the various words and stuff like that the definitions um so yeah there's a big difference between those two things and then and then the basic idea behind what we're doing the, the foundational level of what we're doing is that we're basically digging and digging and digging and we're just trying to find the truth and when i say the truth i mean uh what are we where are we in relation to everything that's going on in relation to the political atmosphere like for example most people believe that taxes are uh involuntary most people believe that they have to be paid okay and there's there's nothing that could be farther from the truth in fact uh in the documentations and even on some of the tax forms and and even in the um the internal revenue code they explicitly state in multiple areas that the entire tax code is based off of voluntary compliance okay so and then and then you have everyone so scared about the IRS, so scared about the IRS. Then you go and research how many how many lawsuits are they actually filing per year? How many people did they actually go after? Right. It's very, 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 very few. So, again, it comes down to and then also, by the way, uh, with all the stuff that we're doing, the easiest corporation to work with on the planet for any of this stuff, whether it's discharging debts, whether it's whatever it might be, is the Internal Revenue Service. They are they are the the most helpful uh, and and also the e one of the easiest organizations to work with in in the entire country, by the way. So um, people are literally just living inside this giant illusionary world where they believe that Federal Reserve notes are money and they believe that the IRS is this evil organization and they believe that they they have this government which they don't have and, and they believe that they're in america which they aren't and it's shocking it's really really shocking when when you start to kind of kind of i want to say grab them and shake them uh but that, that's not really the word the word is actually it's an extremely gentle extremely um slow process that the person will go through and they'll realize that uh you know if you are filed as a u.s citizen uh you aren't an american so that's the first big crushing wild piece of information uh the term u.s obviously stands for united states uh united states is defined in 28 usc 3002 subsection 15 definition a as a federal corporation and the word federal is capitalized which I believe I just as of last week have figured out why that is, which I'm not going to get into right now. Uh, the second part is, uh, and USC stands for United States Code, by the way, for anyone listening to this. Again, that's 28 USC 3002. You click on Cornell University, something like that. Scroll down to subsection 15. You'll read sub subsection 15 will say United States means, and then definition A, a federal corporation and then you should take a moment to look because you'll see the word federalist capitalized okay the second section is ucc 9-307 ucc stands for uniform commercial code uh you're going to click on cornell university or something like that same thing scroll down to subsection h you'll see uh it'll say location of united states it'll say the United States is located in the District of Columbia. So that's the first really huge piece of information that you have to realize. So, so United States is only and exclusively inside the District of Columbia, and it's a corporation. Okay, they tell you that. There's no conspiracy here. There's no like, let's talk about it on a podcast like i'm not going to talk about it there's nothing to talk about okay it's a done deal now u.s citizen 
So we have the definition of citizen. We've already cleared that up, which is someone who gives dominion over to another uh, entity, essentially, in exchange for protection of their privileges and rights. Then you have the term U.S., which we know stands for United States. So now we've broken down what that means. So now we can give you a definition of the term U U.S. citizen. The definition of the term U.S. citizen is someone who, who gives up dominion over their own life to the federal corporation known as United States, which is located in the District of Columbia in exchange for their protections of their privileges and rights. And now we have a definition, okay? Wow. So, so essentially in layman's terms is you're establishing sort of a definitionary and a legal basis for the autonomy of the individual with regard to the states or lack thereof, if as it were. Yes. And then and then basically the, the way that this rabbit hole goes farther down is that when you look at the United States Code, whenever you see the word state and it's capitalized, what that means is basically <laughs> this is so fucking crazy. Uh, it means it means state of California, which is a private for profit subcorporation of United States. State of California is also located in the District of Columbia. So when you see the word federal in a federal corporation, the federal is capitalized because it's referring to state to state. Because the normal federal, the word federal, when it's lowercase, it means it, means it has to do with state to state, right? Like interstate uh, relationships, right? And I've been trying to figure it out literally since I started studying this stuff. Like, why in the fuck is the damn f capitalized right and i i figured it out like last week or two weeks ago something like that and it's it, it's basically what it means is it means it means corporate state to corporate state but it's it doesn't actually mean anything because the thing is is that all of the corporate states are all located in the district of columbia <laughs> so so a federal corporation it actually does it's actually not federal at all it actually means nothing it actually the word federal when capitalized literally means nothing there is no federal. It doesn't exist. So it's a federal corporation, but it has it reason why that F is capitalized is because it has to do with the corporate states, which are all located in the District of Columbia. So so now we go to the next question. Okay, so so how do you not pay taxes? That's really easy. You go to 26 USC subsection 7701, which is title 26 is the Internal Revenue Code. That's a definitions page, right? You're going to go down to definition number 14, which is the definition of taxpayer, okay? The definition of taxpayer is someone who is subject to any internal revenue tax, right? Well, the only people who are subject to any internal revenue tax are people who live in the District of Columbia or people who make money from the District of Columbia, okay? And that comes from another section that I have on my website. I've got all this cold down at my... I have a free course where I cover all this very linearly for you so you can see every single step of it, right? Uh, but uh, uh, the word taxpayer, right? So so, so it's like I'm not even deciding that I'm a taxpayer or not. All I do is just move out of the District of Columbia by saying that I'm not a U.S. citizen and by saying that I'm not living in state of California, which is a, a corporation that's located in the District of Columbia. Now, when I when I do that, now I don't live in the District of Columbia anymore. And then once you don't live in the District of Columbia anymore, as per 26 USC 7701 subsection 14 definition of taxpayer, you aren't a taxpayer anymore. It's that simple. Wow. You just aren't a taxpayer anymore. You're called you're what's called a non-resident alien. So there's two different terms. There's a resident alien and there's a non-resident alien. And every single lawyer and every single accountant in the whole country believe that those two terms have to do with the 50 states of the union of the united states of america it has absolutely nothing to do with the 50 states of the republic absolutely nothing the definition of united states has nothing to do with the 50 states of the republic absolutely nothing it has to do only and exclusively with the district of columbia and there's plenty of case law where the supreme court says the District of Columbia does not have any jurisdiction over the 50 states of the Union at all. So the way that they've gotten jurisdiction over the 50 states of the Union is by tricking everyone into signing under penalty of perjury, stating that they live in the District of Columbia. 
This is wild. Well, I mean, you obviously sound like a subject matter expert on this entire topic. And well, this is a range of topics, I guess. But earlier you had mentioned the folks that are really bad at it. And they you said that they like they take a couple of these ideas and then they just run off and, you know, <laughs> with that. And like our, our website is, you know, the freethoughtproject.com is literally full of examples of these people, you know, and sometimes they look like fools on there. They're like, are you going to contract with me? Are you going to con, you know, they're, they're talking with police, they get pulled over or they, you know, or not even just pulled over they, any kind of interaction with, with police. It always ends horribly. You know, we've, we've covered the story of uh, Ron Wagner, who was um, who like I literally referred to himself as a sovereign citizen and <laughs> he was driving with no license plate and like the, the he refused to get out of his car and the cops really unleashed a canine on him and tore his body to shreds. It was horrible, you know, and then um, there was also uh, an innocent dad who was going to um, an animal shelter to rescue a dog his name was robert earl lawrence and he refused to show his id there and less than 15 minutes later he'd be executed by police like those stories are they're just they're all over the place you know like even females uh you know there was um corinne Gaines. that's that's her name she she was she claimed to be a sovereign citizen was executed in her apartment it's uh they're endless you know but Anyway, I, before I digress on all these bad examples of this, I was just on the uh, the Liberty Uncensored podcast this week, and the host of that is uh, also a sovereign. And he was we were we got into it, and he was explaining how he lives his life this way, and he like he doesn't pay taxes, he doesn't register his car. He he sounded pretty experienced, um, and and knew what he was talking about in this regard, but. Uh, he does say that he goes, you know, he did say that he like he's ended up in jail a couple of times and um, and he has to go to court and defend himself in some of these. And he says he usually beats him. But that's what I wanted to ask you, like you, this, like this, this fascinating stuff that you're explaining to us. And it sounds like it, it, you know, like I'm not saying I'm not questioning it. I mean, obviously, I want to question everything, but it sounds like it's it's justifiable, like based on all this evidence and definitions of law and. It sounds pretty cut and dry, but whenever you do practice this, have you been in situations where your freedom is on the line and you've won with using this, you know, using these definitions and legal um, like precedents? Uh, well, well, I specialize in not going to court. I don't want to go to court. I don't want to have any okay. troubles. I don't want to have nothing. Um, I've never experienced, I mean, when you get to a certain level in all of this, in my opinion, uh, the police just don't even pull you over anymore. I drive in the carpool lane by myself in a, in a 2009 <laughs> Shelby GT 500. That's completely straight piped screaming at like 110 miles an hour all day long. <laughs> and now I guess it just gets to a point now where I just, I, I did, I couldn't get pulled over if I fucking tried literally. And I don't, I, I have like literally manufactured plates in my car, like, you know, the whole nine yards. So uh, now I manufactured plates a totally different way, right? And and there's, a, you know, the more I study this stuff, the more I study this stuff, the more I realize a, a lot of it doesn't really have anything to do with. It has a little bit to do with like the plates and the paperwork. A lot of it comes down to mindset. Okay, so when I say that, uh, you know, I know that if I, my brother's a cop, first off, and second off, I have no beef with cops at all whatsoever, right? So if I get pulled over by a cop, I'm going to be really, really respectful. I don't care what he does. I'll just go to court and handle it. I could care less. So why people are trying so hard to not get tickets on the side of the road uh, doesn't make any sense to me because you can go into a courtroom. So so what happens is when you go into a courtroom, they create bonds, right? So I, I, mean, I haven't had an opportunity to actually test any of this yet, but I have a couple of people that I'm working with and I'm, I'm sort of working as the power of attorney. For they them. create what? I'm sorry. Bonds. Oh, bonds. Okay. And not just the not just bomb. the kind of not just the kind of bonds that people think when they think of like a bail bond, but there's a lot of other bonds too that are created. Okay. There's actually okay. an entire private uh network, an entire market called the CRIS network. You can look that up online, um, which basically is a private marketplace, like a little stock market for all the bonds that they create in the courtrooms. Okay. And the courtrooms are all private corporations. They have done in Bradstreet numbers, and and you can you can look all that up for yourself, right? The, 
the courtrooms are basically just um, like like uh, it's basically just a banking endeavor. And the judge is just trying to create bonds. And once you understand that, once you understand how it actually works, you can go in there and you can just, you know, you, 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 it just flips, it flips your whole mind because you're not going in there to defend yourself anymore. You're going in there to create bonds on behalf of the principle, right? The principle is the name uh, that you have in all capital letters. So you would, you could just go in there and you could say, I'm, I'm here. I'm the, I'm the agent on behalf of the principal. And, and I'm, you know, cause what, what's happening is, is you're, you're in a banker's world when you're in a, when you're in a, uh, in a court. So you should use banker terminology, right? So all you have to do is just learn banker terminology. And then now it's no longer a courtroom where it's you versus the judge. It's you and the judge working together to create bonds. Once you once you get to that point where it's you and the judge working together to create bonds, every time you go to court, you're getting rich. So the thing is, is that who gives a fuck if a cop gives me a ticket on the side of the road? Then once you get to that level where you really, honest to God, don't care at all, you're just going to get paid if you get a ticket. It's just magic. Now, no one pulls you over anymore. You can go, I go fast as shit and all this stuff. And they just literally just like they, they pretend as though I don't even exist. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, literally. So, so how does that work a little more specifically? Because I know you just like broke it down essentially in like the the... the... The, the terms of bonds and, and and all of that. But like for, for someone who's really like just now being exposed to this information has done no research and, and this podcast essentially being their introduction to these subjects, how does one in that process actually go about becoming, getting paid, like you said? Well, this is a little bit more advanced. I'll, I'll try to, I'm getting pretty good at explaining advanced subjects in a nutshell. Um so, so if you go online and you type in GSA space SF space 24, you'll see there's a, there's a section of the government called General Services Administration, GSA, and then SF stands for standard form. So there's three forms that the judge will use to manufacture bonds to sell on the CRIS market. You have the GSA SF 24, the GF, uh, the GSA SF 25 and the GSA SF 25 a, and you can look these forms up on the internet and you can look at them for yourself. The first one is a bid bond. The second one is a performance bond. And the third one is a payment bond. Now the way it works in, in, in a courtroom and the way it works in, in, when it comes to getting processed and that kind of thing, right? The, the bid bond is essentially where they start the bidding on, it's basically, as far as I can tell, this part I'm not 100% sure on, it's basically an auction-based system. So the bid bond sets the price of the bond. The performance bond sets the, the performance, right? So, so a performance bond or a performance contract has to do with, you know, I promise to do something. There's only two types of contracts, really, when you break everything down. There's a performance contract, otherwise known as a performance bond. And then there's a payment bond or payment contract, which has to do with paying an amount of money, right? A performance contract could be anything. Like, for example, I own a landscaping company. Okay, so so a performance bond could be like, I promise to perform, right? So <laughs> this is pretty mind-blowing that when I first learned about all this fairly recently, I, I went into like a three or four day like ultra depression. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But basically, the way it works is uh, the, the person themselves, because they're operating and using their all caps name and they're not differentiating between their all caps name, they're essentially like a subcorporation of United States. They're their they're owned property. The, the, so basically, I guess I have to back up a little bit. So when you're born on your long form birth certificate, there's an area of the birth certificate that says date acquired by like the local health office or whatever, like health health officer or something like that, right? And there's a signature there, okay? So what happens is that there's a Department of Health and Human Services, I believe it's called. It's one of the 15 departments of the government, right? So when they receive that, that long form birth certificate, which is the initial type of birth certificate that you got when your parents actually did the original signatures, the, the, the Department of Health and Human Services created a subcorporation that subcorporation is your name in all capital letters. And people, 
you know, there's a lot of information in the sovereign citizen movement stating about how that's a, a slave name and that kind of thing. And, and I thought it was too up until recently, but it's actually something completely different. Anyways, so you have this, this sub corporation that was created under the Department of Health and Human Services of your name in all capital letters. Okay. Now, when you go into court, they say, you know, Brandon Joe Williams, uh, you know, and then what they're what they're asking is, is the corporation Brandon Joe Williams. And then you say, yes, it's me. I'm the corporation. Okay. So that's the first problem. The second problem is now, now that you've announced to the, the courtroom that you are the subcorporation that was created from the Department of Health and Human Services, now what they do is they create a performance bond where they state that you as a corporation have to go into an escrow for X amount of years. That escrow is the jail. <laughs> you're going into it. So basically, you're, you're basically like a box, like a cardboard box. And they're they're sending you into the warehouse, okay? And actually, if you look up in in the United States Code, they have an entire section on what's called warehouse receipts. That that section actually applies to what we're talking about. So so you're basically a warehouse receipt, essentially. A warehouse receipt is a receipt stating that someone or some corporation has been stored in an escrow. So so a, the jail is actually the escrow. And then the 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 bid bond creates the bond, and then the payment bond. I don't know exactly how the payment bond works yet, but basically that's that's essentially as far as I've gotten in my research in terms of how the court systems work. Right now, first and foremost, you can you can you can separate yourself out. You you should. I mean, a, a, a huge part of truly becoming free of all of this is you you you're going to be operating as two different persons and 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 this is the most important definition of any definition of any word in all of this information if you don't have this definition and you don't think about it all the time you're not going to be successful with any of this information it's the definition of the word person this definition is on like tax forms they literally like put it in the actual tax form at the lower part of the tax form in the instruction section but it's also all over the internet. It's all over the place. This is the most easy definition to find. You can find it all. You can almost would have to work to not find it. It's the definition of the word person. And I'm going to read the definition from Title 26, United States Code 7701, same one we found taxpayer from earlier. The term person shall be construed to mean and include an individual, a trust, estate, partnership, association company or corporation so so when you sign your passport documentation when you sign your banking information to open up your bank account when you sign anything under the sun moon and stars it's going to use the word person 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 you have never ever known since the day you were born who in the flying fuck they are talking about ever you've only assumed it are they talking about you as the individual? Or are they talking about the all caps name as a corporation? Have you ever asked that question before? No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not until I uh, started perusing your website. So you have no idea who the flying fuck they're talking about. Do you know what the definition of the word signature actually in law is actually a, a, an individual signing on behalf of a corporation or trust? <laughs> wow. So so what's happening is, is that it's actually a surety contract. Basically, everything under the sun, moon and stars is a surety contract. So you are signing as the agent to the principal. The principal is the all caps corporation and you are the agent. It's the same thing in a courtroom. So the court is a banking operation that wants to create bid bonds performance bond, performance bonds and payment bonds on the principal and you are the agent of the principal and you operate as the agent of the principal that's how it's supposed to work right but people think it's this completely other thing it has nothing to do with anything that people think it has to do with it has nothing to do with uh true law it has it has nothing to do with them and their name it has it's totally completely not anything close to what people think it is okay so taxation isn't anything what people think it is uh u.s citizens are not americans so you got to think about this too if a u.s citizen's not americans do you have uh, the constitution do you have the bill of rights 
The answer is no, because you don't live in America. A U.S. citizen does not live in America. Wow. <laughs> Man, this is like mind-blowing stuff. And as you were you know, saying like these different... <clears throat> uh definitions i was googling them to you know to confirm and it's this is some crazy shit man <laughs> yeah. the government essentially treats everybody like property under this corporate law system and um so they've tricked everyone through two two there's two definitions that are the key like if, if someone was like what's the most important part of this that that i like to go to the most hardcore shit first because it gets people rolling they're like oh my god they see it right definition yeah. of the word person definition of united states Right there, you know that there's something big here. Like there is like I don't need to close you. I don't need to sell you. I don't need to say anything more like that. Those two definitions, when you look those two definitions up, you're you're already rolling. You're off to the races. Every single person that I've shown those two definitions to, they're they're all in. They they put all their chips in, on the table because they, they see that there's something huge here. They 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 see the doorway and they want to walk through it. And, you know, that's the same path that I went. I, I, the reason why I focus on these two definitions is because th that this is the this is where the door opened for me. These two definitions is where the door opened for me. Right. So so the next part to explain would be um, so. So if 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 U.S. citizen means somebody who doesn't live in America, how do I become an American? OK, now that one is eight U.S.C. one one zero one. Definition section. I, I like Cornell. Cornell's great, my favorite, because it has um, clickable definitions sometimes, right? Uh, this is all about uh, nationality and stuff like that. Oh, by the way, the word nationality and citizenship are two very different words. Um, most people think those mean the same thing. They most definitely do not. You're going to scroll down to subsection 21. Uh, subsection 21 says the term national means a person owing permanent allegiance to a state. Mm. Now, the word state is lowercase. Now, what that means is that that means the actual original, what, what, what they call in the United States Code, de jure, the original de jure state. So that means the actual state of California. If you see a capital letter uh, state, that means State of California Corporation, which is located in the District of Columbia. So the term national means a person owing permanent allegiance to a state, right? Now, when you go back and you study old school law, original law, all of the 50 states of the union are essentially separate countries. They're all completely autonomous, right? All right. So the initial intentions of the Articles of Confederation. Exactly. Whatnot. So the way it works is, let's say, for example, there's a form and it says, you know, citizenship or nationality. You would no longer put U.S. citizen. You would put Californian. That is the exact term that they want you to use. They, they give you all the different terms. Um, I would have to look it up, but there's a section. I think it's in the uh, government styles manual or something like that, where they give the actual name of every single state, what a person who is a citizen or a, a uh, national of that state means right like a utahan or a new hampshireite or a texan or a californian those are the different terms that you use to describe your uh, your nationality and there's other terms as well um the other terms that you can you can basically use seven different terms okay and and six of them are located in 18 usc 112 we go to 18 USC 112 and we scroll down to subsection C. These are the six different terms that you can use as a national. You can use the term foreign government, foreign official, internationally protected person, international organization, national of the United States, and official guest. And then the seventh term would be the term that's used to describe whatever state that you're in. So for me, it would be Californian. So those are the seven terms that I can use to describe what I am because the original state of California, or I, or I should say California state or California Republic, really, the, the original California Republic is a foreign country from United States. 
which is actually a, a foreign corporate zone. So does this, like you just, these definitions you just gave, that sounds a lot like um, it would, or you could attempt to claim that you have diplomatic immunity, right? Well, they give you diplomatic immunity. Whether you want it or not, it doesn't matter. You have it. Once you, once you file as a national, you are a foreign diplomat. And the reason why is because you are a foreign diplomat from United States. Because California Republic and United States have nothing to do with one another. One is an unincorporated landmass on the western end of the of the country. The other one is an incorporated private foreign small 10-mile landmass on the eastern side of the country. They have absolutely nothing to do with each other. United States and California Republic are as foreign to each other as Russia and Canada. Which is incredible. And, you know, when you start going down these sort of explaining these the corporate law and how everything works in sort of this uh, corporatistic sort of fashion, um, the one thing that really starts to come into my mind is, man, it really starts to make sense why now the federal government or the state or however it want, people want to characterize it uh, in all of its authoritarianistic tendencies have really gone down the rabbit hole of uh, essentially creating a corporatist or however you want to say a fascist whatever sort of system because it is a merger of government power or rather perceived government power because authority doesn't exist um, but this illusion of government power and the existence of corporations to sort of rule over the people and you know it sort of makes sense why they sort of push in that direction now uh, even prior to the sort of uh, infiltration of fascism in the u.s post world war ii and even before world war ii with the business plot and prescott bush and all of that and even going back to the you know jekyll island federal reserve sort of scheme it, it sort of the dots are beginning to connect if you see what i mean oh definitely and basically what what, what we're experiencing is the corporation, the federal corporation, what it does is it, it, it the, so so the original stuff that we had before 1871, the Organic Act of 1871 is when the entire government was incorporated. OK, so prior to that point, we had an actual unincorporated what's normally called as de jure and that you can find that that term all through the United States Code as well. So so it's kind of both sides of the coin use these terms de jure means original non-incorporated de facto means incorporated or by fact de jure means by law de facto means by fact okay essentially just keep this really really i'm, try, I'm not trying to get into any crazy latin stuff right now so so the de jure government the original de jure government was before 1871 and then we've had a de facto government ever since but what's crazy and the craziest part about all this is that the incorporated versions of everything the incorporated versions of the states the incorporated versions of the police the incorporated versions of the government are all carbon copies of the original de jure so at the original de jure you have peace officers now you have police officers and it's it's a carbon copy but it, it, now it's incorporated. And what does incorporated mean? Incorporated means commerce. What does commerce mean? It means um, it's it's commerce. So so you hear a lot about a lot of a lot of guys talking about commerce, commerce, commerce. Incorporated means commerce. De jure is actual government. So a de facto government is like saying sovereign citizen. You can't have a de facto government. It's physically impossible. Uh, you can't have a corporation of which is a government. And the Supreme Court has even said this. <laughs> so it's actually hilarious. What 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 we have in this world is literally a complete illusion that can't even exist in law. And does this and they even acknowledge it themselves. Does this only like uh, essentially apply to the US or has this practice been applied in other places like Canada and the UK as well? There's a lot of people who follow my stuff. I have groups all over the world and there's all sorts of things happening, but I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not really going to answer any questions about that. I don't really know. All I know is the only countries that I know of for a fact that are very, very similar to the United States is uh, the UK and Australia. Besides that, I just don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm still deep in, 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 in America here. I'm, I'm not really looking gotcha. at 
I'm not really looking to go outside of America at this point in time, but I'm sure there are many countries, maybe Canada, maybe New Zealand. I don't know where else that are that are very, very similar to the way this is set up. For all I know, every single country in the whole world is exactly the same. And they just it's the same playbook. Come in, uh, wipe out the 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 your government by by bankrupting it or whatever, and then incorporate it, and then uh, and then and then now you own it because now the incorporated version is owned. So uh, that seems to be the playbook. But do I have I verified that for every single country? No, not necessarily. It would certainly lend a lot of credence to the idea of say the the banking family dynasties going back to the 1700s and and the whole if anyone studied uh, the the banking dynasties and the Rothschild family and what they've done to take control of global finance they would understand where I'm sort of going with that. Yeah, and the and the UCC which I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> the Uniform Commercial Code, basically what they're trying to do is that is the the global that is the globalization law book that is the law book they're trying to get to be the standardization of law for each and every country so the ucc is essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the ucc more and more and more and more accepted by every single country and that is their that is their baby the ucc is their baby so anyways uh moving on to the next part of this show and tell uh, I wanted to show you guys something else here. This is a, a key, key factor because a lot of people are like, okay, now we know what a United, what U.S. citizen is. We know we don't want to be one anymore. <clears throat> we know that there's this thing called a national. Now, how do we do it? And uh, it's not that hard. Uh, I'm going to show it to you. It's 22 CFR 51.3. And that, that the CFR stands for Code of Federal Regulations. And uh, 22 CFR 51.3 is called types of passports. There are several types of passports. And even when you go into the passport office, these people don't have any idea. Not like the main ones. I'm talking about the post office, right? Nobody has any clue that there's there's a bunch of different types of passports that you can get. Okay. And it's located right here. It's plain, plain black and white. Okay. Now, 99.9% .9 of everyone in the entire country has subsection C official passport, right? Now, this gets pretty wild because when you read about an official passport, it says an officer or employee of the U.S. government traveling abroad to carry out official duties. Wow. I'm reading this right now. My mind is fucking the next one blowing right now. No, it's okay. It's okay. I understand. It's the same shit, right? I'm, I've been trying to figure out how to get, get this like explained in a linear way where I can take someone from like zero to hero in like an hour. And I've been working on this for like many, many months. So yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank You're you. Doing it's it, been man. a lot of work. You're doing it. Down, right? <laughs> so, so number two, a U.S. government personal services contractor traveling abroad to carry out official duties on behalf of the U.S. government. Number three, a non-personal services contractor traveling abroad to carry out duties and support up and pursuant to a contract with the U.S. government. When the contractor is unable to carry out such duties using a regular service passport or for an official or employee of a state, local, tribal, or territorial government traveling abroad to carry out official duties in support of the U.S. government. So we have three terms that they have used to describe an official passport, which is the one that 99.9% .9 of everyone in the country has. We have the word officer. We have the word employee. We have the word contractor. So if you have an official passport, which is guarantee you do, you are considered either an officer or an employee or a contractor of the federal corporation that's called United States, which is located in the District of Columbia. Okay. Now, go up to subsection A. We have a completely different type of passport called a regular passport. Do you see that one there? Go ahead and read that one out loud. Yeah, a regular passport. Uh, a regular passport is issued to a national of the United States. That's all it says. <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah. So you don't want an official passport. All you have to do to move out of Washington, D.C., all you have to do is get a regular fucking passport. That's crazy. Once you get the regular passport, you no longer live in Washington, D.C., brother. Bye-bye. You have absolutely nothing to do with the federal corporation at all whatsoever. You are gone. 
which in a way, because I know, um, Matt, I'm not sure how long you wanted this to run, but I know we're uh, working up to like uh, 10 yeah, minutes yeah, left yeah. on the hour, um, which, which is actually a great way to segue sort of into the solutions portion, because that's like one of the simplest solutions you could ever tell somebody. Just read through the thing, figure out how to get a regular passport instead of an official passport. And that's a big solution right there. You just got the fuck out of the U.S. corporation, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well Brandon actually has this course, right? You have... I have two questions about that, right? On your website, you have a course to, that teaches folks how to do this, and it's free. And it's, uh, but the name, for one, I wanted to know the name of it, how to be a contract killer. I first, I had that question in my head before we started this um, <laughs> podcast, but now I have the answer to that. You're not, yeah. it's not like being a contract murderer. It's like to kill contracts, right? Am I right? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so the big daddy, so, so I explained it in the course, it's like a Hydra, right? And it's a bunch of different heads. You got to cut off all the heads to kill the beast, right? The biggest, gnarliest, nastiest head where most of the brain lies is right here in, in 22 CFR 51.3, switching from an official passport to a regular passport. The reason why is because if you look on an I-9 form, which everyone fills out when they get employed, there's a section in there that states what what does a person need in order to be um, be able to be employed, right? And all they need is a passport. If you have a passport, you can be employed anywhere you want. You don't need to give them your social security number, nothing. You just hand them your passport. That's it. And you can be hired. You can work. They, they, you don't need to give anybody your social security number. The social security number is literally just an EIN number for your corporation in all capital letters. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. So when you give people your social, you're saying I'm a corporation. When you give people your passport, you're saying I'm a living person. It's that simple. This wow. is crazy. Dude, so how do you see um, like the, the, the future for this, like for these legal measure, measures and uh, the concept of sovereignty evolving as technology and society continue to progress? How do you see this sort of movement playing a role as, we, as you, humanity moves forward? Well, this is just we're just barely scratching the surface of this because the, the all capital letter name, your corporation, it's actually a bank and you can actually manufacture currency through it. And that's where we're at now. <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, we don't have enough time to get into that, but that we should definitely have you back on and talk about these, man. This is a. Yeah. So, so that's really where, where all of my research is right now. That's where all my focus is right now. I'm actually preparing a bunch of documents as we speak. Uh, there are already people, a lot of people having success. Uh, we are manufacturing money through the, through the bank, through the all caps name. Is that, that what was is, going on? I, so I went wild. to your Facebook page and I saw that you were posting screen screenshots of, uh, of different, like, I guess, bills being paid or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting we're getting bills getting paid. We're getting cars discharged. We're getting houses discharged. We're 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 doing it all. And uh, right now, what I'm working on is I'm working on um, basically there. There's a step by step way that you can actually get your credit cards to completely self discharge every month. And I I don't mind going a little bit farther, but I will I will uh, I'll go another hour if you guys want to. But basically, the way it works is if you look at your bills, your credit card bills they're all positive. They aren't negative. And no one, no one has ever stopped for five seconds and looked at their bills. Right. It's only when negative you go, if you overpay. <laughs> it's only negative if you overpay. So, so, so we, we've been going down this deep rabbit hole where we find out that, and I'm going to try to, this, this is, this is something I haven't mastered explaining in five seconds. So, so, so there's something called a negotiable instrument. A negotiable instrument is basically just a signed promise to pay. Okay. Federal Reserve notes, the word note means promissory note. So a Federal Reserve note is just a promise to pay. It's a negotiable instrument. Negotiable means transferable. Like, right. a, like a check, if I wrote a check to your name, that would be non-negotiable. But if I said the, the um, if I wrote the check out to like the holder of the check, which you can actually do, no one knows you can do that. It's not, it's negotiable because anyone who holds the check can can deposit the check. OK, now all this information about negotiable instruments and Federal Reserve notes and checks and finance comes from the Negotiable Instruments Act and the Bill of Exchange Act. You go to the Bill of Exchange Act. It literally says the definition of the word bill 
means bill of exchange. So what you're supposed to be doing with your bills is you're supposed to be exchanging them, not paying them. So when you have a positive, it's like this. If you looked at your bank account and it had a positive balance, would you go and try to make a payment on it? Right. No. <laughs> the, the answer is no. You'd be excited, right? Right. So yeah. what happens is, is that every single time you use your credit card, you're manufacturing promises to pay. And you're depositing those promises to pay into a deposit account. That deposit account is the credit card statement that comes to you at the end of the month. You're actually the creditor and the bank is actually the debtor and they're depositing your negotiable instruments into account, right? right. And what happens is you can actually do what's called a set off, which is where the creditor tells the debtor to basically eliminate the debt. They basically forgive the debt. So what's happening is, is that we're having success with this because basically once you realize that everyone thinks that the bank is the creditor and that you're the debtor, first off, there's not two parties. There's actually three because you have the all caps name. The all caps name is the principal. You're the agent. And then the bank is actually the, the debtor, right? When you that, That's the first thing you have to realize. The second thing you have to realize is that you're you're basically the creditor. They are not the creditor. They're the debtor. So that's why they issue you a bill of exchange that's in the positives, because what it says is it says that there's a deposit account here with a positive balance. What do you want us to do with it? And what you're supposed to do with the bill is all in the Bill of Exchange Act. Right. And it says right in the definitions of the Bill of Exchange Act acceptance. So we have the definition of the word acceptance means an acceptance completed by delivery or notification. Right. So they're, they're saying, hey, we have this positive balance. What do you want us to do with it? And they send it to you and you say, I accept this. Thank you for this. That's the first thing you have to do. Right. And then it, and then it says and then it has these other terms, which I'm trying not to get into too much. Right. But they have the term here. Um, uh, bearer. Right. It says here it means the person in possession of a bill or note, which is payable to bearer. <laughs> So, so once you accept the, the, the bill of exchange, you're now the bearer. And then you literally write on the bill of exchange payable to bearer <laughs> and you send it back. <laughs> Which you is exchange the bill. You actually yeah. exchange the bill, but you have to realize who you are. You're the agent on behalf of the principal. The principal is the all caps name corporation. So when they mail you the bill of exchange, when they mail you the bill of exchange, whose name's on the on the on the bill of exchange? Is it you or is it the all caps name? Right. Right. Which which is fascinating because it's sort of it, it plays in again. It seems like this whole conversation, we've sort of circled back to the Federal Reserve banking scam and it sort of puts these things. And I'm sure you probably have seen James Corbett's documentary Century of Enslavement History of the Federal Reserve. Uh, and for any of our audience that hasn't seen it, you definitely should. Um, it's sort of, you know, again, put just a little more context, puts things in perspective when we're with regard to the whole fiat currency, fractional reserve banking, promissory note sort of scam that they've had going since 1913. It's incredibly fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Article one, section 10 of the constitution states that no state shall make anything except, uh, gold and silver coins as, uh, uh, in, in tender of payment, right? Uh, right. tender means offer without stipulations. A lot of people don't realize the definition of tender. Very few people actually know the definition. It means it means to to offer without stipulations. Like like uh, uh tender uh tendering a bill would be like here you can have it back under no under no conditions. It's conditionless. It's actually not tender if it's not conditionless, which is really fascinating, right? But really uh it, it all comes down to the definitions of words, banking terms, that kind of thing. And um this is just tip of the iceberg. I mean, I could go into traveling. Uh, you know, that's a whole nother story. A lot of people don't talk about this uh, section very well. You can actually get a DOT number. It's actually called a private motor carrier DOT number. It's totally free. You don't need to smog your vehicles. You don't need to do anything. You can put the, you only need one number for all your vehicles. Um, I have a DOT number. I just got one for free off the internet. It took me maybe 15 minutes. Um, it's called a there's two different types of motor carriers. So so DOT is senior to the Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, 
Department of Motor Vehicles is actually a subsection inside the Department of Transportation. But the Department of Transportation is one of the, the big boy 15 departments of the government, right? So you're going above to a senior aspect of the government when you get a DOT number. People don't realize that, right? Then there's two types of DOT numbers. There's a for hire motor carrier, which you can look that up. And there's a private motor carrier, which you can look that up. So a police officer says, you know, you were driving your motor vehicle too fast. This isn't a motor vehicle. This is a private motor carrier or a for hire motor carrier. And you have all the paperwork that shows that, right? And you get a DOT number. You don't have to do smog. You don't have to do shit with a DOT number. No registration, no fees, nothing. Absolutely nothing. You can still insure your vehicle. DOT number, they'll give you one on the internet for free. Zero dollars. You don't even have to type in a credit card information. Totally free. You just go online. I went on Amazon. I went to create. I just typed in create plate. And you can create custom plates on Amazon. I used a Florida uh, license plate. So it looks like a Florida license plate. And it has a DOT number on it. And on the bottom, it says DOT number. And uh, and it cost me $18 per plate. I bought two plates, put them on my car. Boom. <laughs> That's wow. incredible, dude. Now, now, if you put private plates on your car and it says private, do not detain. The problem is, is a lot of people who do that. It's uh, a target. You're a bit of a target. And the people who do that are usually pretty combative. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a combination of mindset and target. That's the problem, right? So, like. They give you a DOT number for free. Uh, it gets you out of having to deal with all of that. You only need one number for all of your vehicles that are not involved in commerce, by the way. And uh, and and it's it's so easy. You can put it on your motorcycles. You can put it on your cars. You can put it on everything. You just create the plates on the Internet. You can create them however you want. Uh, and you put the DOT number on there and you just carry around your DOT paperwork and people will go like, oh, you know, a lot of guys in this movie, they'll, oh, fuck that. Like, I don't, you know, I don't need to do that. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, you know, there, there hits a certain point where I'm like, I'm willing to, to spend $0, buy a couple of $18 license plates, put the fucking number on it. And then every two years, you just have to go in and update your information, but it's still free forever. All right, free thinkers, this episode is nearing its end. Just a reminder, we've been working extremely hard to bring you some of the most powerful voices in the truth liberty movement. We work tirelessly for you to bring these concepts to the masses and to educate and wake up those who continue to sleep. Please don't forget to consider donating or subscribing if you appreciate the work we do. It's becoming more and more difficult to do this, and we can no longer depend on social media advertisers of big tech monetization. Our support network is you. So help us rebuild this organization by going to our website, thefreethoughtproject.com, and at the top you'll find tabs for our memberships and donations. Also, please review and rate this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you, Freethinkers. Dude, this has been one of the most informative hours <laughs> on the Free Thought Project <laughs> podcast ever, dude. Seriously, um, I, I mean, I could we could go on forever, but we do we do you know we do try to keep it to about an hour here. So um, we're definitely going to have to have you back on, man. This has been some like just some fascinating stuff, and I've had to been you know just googling along with you. Like I said, you know, I'm, we've covered so many of these guys who don't know what they're doing, and they make a very bad name for this type of movement, but you, sir, are a, a true expert and yes, um, like a wealth of knowledge, man. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, where you can, where they can find your work and. Um... My favorite website, the best part, I can never stop laughing every time I say it. It's one stupid fuck.com. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll have that linked on the uh, below the podcast there, uh, folks. And uh, yeah, and just so people know the con the contract killer course, I teach you. There's a bunch of forms. I teach you how to fill out the DS11 uh, passport forms. I teach you how to fill out the W8BEN form for your employer if you're hired and you work like as an employee for a job. I teach you how to fill out a form. It's a foreign beneficiary form. It's going to wipe out all the taxation that you're paying at work. Uh, I have another another section where I teach you how to fill out a different form, which is actually uh, how you basically disconnect from the IRS and you eliminate your tax burden. You basically inform them that you no longer live in the in the um, in the United States 
as per the definition. It's called a revocation of election. Uh, when you first filled out a W-9 form when you were young, you, what happened was you didn't understand what was going on. You elected to be treated as though you live in the District of Columbia. You can revoke that election. I teach you how to do that. It's very, very simple. It takes about five minutes of your time. You just mail it in. It's called a revocation of election. Uh, the the passport process will cost you maybe two or three hundred dollars. Uh, I teach you how to do all of it. Okay, there's a there's a document you're gonna have to buy from a guy named James Lovett. I teach you all about that. The W A B E N five minutes of your time costs absolutely nothing. Will eliminate all taxation you have at work legally. Uh, that's just barely getting started. It's about twenty four wow. hours of video over thirty nine wow. days, and it's free, right? It's free, yeah. yeah. Man, that's incredible. I'm sure you're going to, we're going to be driving a lot of traffic to that website, including myself. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Brandon, thank you for coming on, brother. This was awesome. Love you guys. Thanks.